Imagine two different people with me. The first is someone who is always busy. He wakes up early and works. He sleeps late because he is working. His calendar is full with one meeting and then another. And it's not just his work that's demanding. He fills his life with a variety of things. He's involved with different communities and causes. Oh, and he's good at all these things. He is overflowing with intelligence and talent and creativity. A model of success, you might say. But he's restless. No peace and no rest. The second person is someone who really isn't that busy at all. He's actually kind of lazy. Most days, there's not a whole lot to do because, to be frank, there's not a whole lot that he's agreed to do. He's binge-watched more Netflix series than he can remember, and generally he gets anywhere from 9 to 12 hours of sleep every night. Now, to be fair, he does work, but he doesn't push himself. He does have enough to have the kind of life he wants, but no more. But he's restless. No peace and no rest. First glance, something seems amiss here. Something's wrong. These two people are quite different. Their lives quite unlike each other. And yet, my claim here is that both men are restless. Both men are not at ease. But what should we do with such a claim? It seems hardly possible that the second person could be suffering from the same problem as the first. And yet, that is precisely the claim. Unless our restlessness, our lack of true soul rest, is not really about how much or how little we do. Welcome to the seventh episode of Season 2 of Breadcrumbs, our youth ministry podcast at Bread of Life Church. I'm Jason Lowe, the youth minister at Bread of Life. This season we are talking about the theme, sacred versus secular. When we label certain activities as sacred or as secular, have we really considered how that influences the way we see the world? Have we thought about how it might hinder our faith? Is it even right or accurate to use such labels? In this August episode, as we are nearing the beginning of the school year, we're going to talk about the very biblical idea of rest. In our, and in our present circumstances, our ideas about rest are being tested in ways they never have before. With so much of our usual work and activity taken from us by COVID-19, we have more time to take breaks, to stop from our work. In fact, in a survey I took with our Bread of Life youth, 68% of respondents said they are getting seven to nine hours of sleep every night. For some, that might be a usual summer routine, but for others, you have more hours in the day than you know what to do with, 
So you end up pocketing an additional hour or two or more of sleep. And yet, that 68% is contrasted starkly with just 36% of respondents who felt they were getting enough rest. Nearly 40% felt they weren't getting enough. So either a good number of people feel like they need 10 plus hours of sleep to feel rested, or rest is not just about how much of a break you give to your mind and your body. And that's what we're here to talk about. What is biblical rest all about? How do we need to reshape our thoughts about rest so that we not only understand it, but so that we know how to get it? Because frankly, feeling restless is, pretty aw- is a pretty awful feeling. It's stressful. It's tiring. It's frustrating. And personally, I don't really like it. And to help us sort things out, I want to direct our attention to a sermon given by Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, a sermon about rest that he gave back in 2003. And just to be clear, the heart of this episode and most of what follows comes from Keller's 2003 sermon. Thanks to Pastor Keller for his wisdom. Now, in his sermon, Keller focuses on Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Jesus, in this passage, encounters the Pharisees on the Sabbath. So they have a conversation about what the Sabbath is all about. Now, I'll read verses 1 through 5 so you can get a picture of what happened. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here's what's happening. The fourth command was to remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. To keep it holy, the Jewish religious leaders had established a long list of things, work, that you could or could not do while it was Sabbath. Now, one of those things you could not do was to pick grain and eat it. It was work and not rest. So when Jesus and his disciples stroll through grain fields, picking the grain and eating it, the Pharisees call them out. You you can't do that. So Jesus quickly comes back with an answer. He reminds them of a story about David, a story that comes out of 1 Samuel 21. You see, David was running from Saul, the king, who was trying to kill him. And he stopped by the tabernacle looking for provisions for his journey. A quick conversation with the priest and David decides to take the bread of the presence. The consecrated bread that was an offering to God. It was bread only for the priests. But David takes it and eats it because he's in a hurry running for his life. Now, you would think that David's rash decision would be a big no-no. 
and something that earned him a reprimand or punishment from God. But that's not what happens. And the point Jesus draws from it is that it was okay for David to do what he did. And Keller explains what's going on here. That unlike the moral law, such as do not murder or do not steal, the guidelines for worship and the ceremonies, like not eating the holy bread, could be set aside in certain situations. In other words, he says, such laws were provisional. They were temporary. They were placeholders until something greater came along and made them obsolete. They pointed to another reality that was still to come. And verse 5 explains what that reality was. It was the arrival of Jesus. Do you see in verse 5 that Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath? So in other words, the Sabbath, the command to rest like God rested, is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is actually all about rest. How is that so, though? How is Jesus all about rest? Well, to explain this, Keller connects some dots for us. In Genesis 1, we see that each time God makes something, each time he works, he pauses and he declares it to be good. Then, at the end of the sixth day, after he creates Adam, a human being, we read that God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, we read that the seventh day, God was finished with his work, so he rested. And from this account, Keller concludes that the meaning of rest, real rest, comes from this pattern. God worked, he found satisfaction in his work, and then he rested. In other words, rest means to be utterly satisfied with what you've done. That's Keller's definition. Rest is to be utterly satisfied with what you've done. Now, what strikes me most about this definition is that rest and work are actually tied together. There are two sides of the same coin. You work and then you rest, satisfied in the work that you've done. Now, I don't know about you, but I look forward to holidays. I look forward to vacations. When I was a student, I couldn't wait for Thanksgiving or Christmas break, spring break, and of course, summer break. But that anticipation had everything to do with just not doing work. It had nothing to do with stopping to enjoy the utter satisfaction in the work I had done. I mean, of course, the break would be much better if the report card that I got had good grades on it. But the break was not about enjoying and being satisfied in the work and the grades that I had gotten. It was just about not doing work. So that's the first dot that he connects. The idea that rest is to be utterly satisfied with what you've done. 
Now, the second dot comes out of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I'll read those two verses for, for us. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So the writer of Hebrews is connecting the Sabbath experience for God's people with the rest that God took on the seventh day. Now Keller suggests that this means a Christian is someone who is able to look at his or her work the way that God looked at his. Someone who is able to look at their life and their work and say that it is absolutely satisfying. That actually sounds pretty great, doesn't it? But there's a problem. There's a problem. The problem is that every human being, since Adam and Eve sinned, every human being has been trying to find rest apart from God. We all have. We've all been trying to look at our work and our lives and find utter satisfaction in it. But it's just not possible. I mean, think about it. From the moment we become aware, we are grasping for any sense that we're someone, that we're significant, that we're good at something. My kids, even the three-year-old, want to show me and Abby their projects, to share their ideas, to demonstrate their skills. Why? It's because they're looking for our praise, our affirmation, our approval that validates them, that says they're good at drawing or dancing or biking or creating things on Minecraft, or that they're smart or funny. And it doesn't stop when you get to middle school or high school or college or even beyond that. I mean, why do we hesitate to raise our hand or answer a teacher's question? Isn't it often or at least partly because we're afraid we'll get it wrong or say something stupid and we'll be identified as unintelligent? Why do we gravitate toward the things we're good at? Math or soccer, music, writing, art, dancing. Isn't it because we find greater satisfaction in that work and we find ourselves with greater rest? And yet, no matter how good we are, the work never ends. It never ends. But it's not supposed to. Not when we are working and seeking rest apart from God. We are always and constantly trying to get better or finding areas where we are good to validate to find satisfaction, to find rest. But when we do that, we're seeking rest apart from God. And Jesus knows that we'll never find rest in any other place except for him. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Only when we find ourselves, our identity and our purpose and our work in Jesus, do we find the rest we're looking for. You see, our lack of rest is tied to the fact that we work and seek satisfaction in our work apart from Jesus. But when we come to Jesus, that's when things change. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he did all the work that was needed. God saw the work that Jesus did and he declared it was good. And when we find ourselves in Jesus, we need to recognize and realize that his work is enough. We no longer need to prove ourselves worthy or establish our identity. No, God accepted Jesus' work as enough. It was finished. And so now, God accepts us on the basis of Jesus' work. We don't need to validate ourselves because Jesus has already validated us. We don't need to prove our worth or establish our identity because our worth and our identity were already established in Jesus. No, instead, we can rest in who we are in Jesus and the work that he already finished. In the survey, the respondents listed words that they associated with rest. And by far, the number one answer was sleep. Now, I'm with you there. I love me some sleep. Not far behind, the answers were peace, relaxing, and calm. And do you know when I have those things? It's when I end my day or I stop my work and I've had a good day of laboring. Do you know when I lack those things? It's when there's a problem with my work or trouble in a relationship and I'm not satisfied with how my work is going. The problem with this pattern is that there are problems on too many days. If I want true, lasting rest for my soul, I must find it in the work of Jesus. And when I do, I'm free to do whatever work is in front of me, not depending on how well things are going or how satisfying the work is. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Breadcrumbs. Enjoy the last month or two before the work of school begins again. See you in September.